Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer, Brendan S. Scott with you. Oilers Now is brought to you by... Our title sponsor, Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operator place to buy office technology and software. In this hour, David Staples, Cult of Hockey, writer for the Edmonton Journal, and John Shannon, our NHL insider for Legacy Heating and Cooling. You can reach us on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline at 780-496-0063, the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline Excitement. Bet on it. And you can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Get the new floors you've always wanted at... Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday from, uh, yeah, they, they can look after it. They're open Monday to Saturday at Ashley Fine Floors. We will get to some more of your texts. Lots of you have chimed in. Some of you are unaware of the fact that the Toronto Maple Leafs or uh, uh, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment is owned by Bell & Rogers Communication. They've jointly acquired 75% uh, ownership in MLSE. Uh, this occurred uh, back in 2012. Uh, so it's been like this for a while. And look, you watch NHL Hockey and Rogers, and you watch TSN, and there's a lot of really talented, good broadcasters. And with both of those companies, they got to do... This show's called Oilers Now. I love the University of Alberta, Okay. I love the Golden Bear hockey program, especially. I got a lot of time for the Golden Bear football program uh, and Chris Morris and some of the work that's being done there. But it's tough to sell a two-hour show called Golden Bears now. I wouldn't be able to do it anyways because the court sport teams would whine and complain that there's not enough coverage on them because that's kind of how it worked at the U of A when I worked there. Uh, I digress. So circling back. You, you know, if you're on TSN or if you're at NH, you know, you're in Rogers, you got to, you got to give people what they want. And 14 and a half million of the people in this country are in the province of Ontario. And I do think that there's, I think it benefits to a certain degree, some of the Maple Leaf players in terms of awareness and that sort of thing. Do I think Connor got robbed the heart? No, not really. I think that you got to give credit where credit's due. Austin Matthews had a hell of a year. You can't tell me McDavid's not the best player in the world. He's the best. But if any, if anything, the one player that almost gets hurt a bit in all of this conversation, to me, is Leon Dreisel. And the other thing, it's almost like McDavid's, well, we have greater expectations of Connor. Let's bring in David Staples from the Cult of Hockey on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. David, what do you think? Am I completely out to lunch here? What do you... Like, is there, should there be just, we knew it was coming, right? We knew that, 
we all knew that Matthews was going to win the heart and stood a good chance. And, and it should be noted, the players voted for Matthews for the Lindsay Award. That, that should tell us something. And McDavid did come in second for the heart, though uh, 95 of the 195 ballots did not have McDavid in the top two. Give me your thoughts about what occurred there. I was ready to blow my stack like a volcano, Bob, when I saw the voting uh, results. But the, it was greatly tempered, I have to say, when I saw how the players voted. Um, it, it, are the players, could the players be influenced by the kind of Toronto media magnet and the narratives that are out there? I mean, there's, you know, the, the, the whole push for Matthews to win the um, Hart Trophy was huge all year long. And, you know, this, you know, so rare to score 60 goals, which is true. And, um, you know, that talk was just so, so prevalent. And could the players also, the guys who are on the ice against um, McDavid and Matthews through the season, also be hugely influenced by that? I mean, it's possible that they were also persuaded just by what the, 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 you know, the big media machine in Toronto was saying. That said, I do put some weight in the players, how they voted. They picked Matthews over McDavid. They're on the ice um, every game playing these playing these games. I put a lot more stock in the Lindsay Award than I do in the Hart Trophy Award uh, vote, which is voted on by the media because it is the players. I think the players um, voted for Connor McDavid over Taylor Hall, which was the last time a, a huge kind of narrative in my mind kind of took over about Taylor Hall leaving the horrible Edmonton Oilers in a terrible trade and then, you know, transforming the New Jersey Devils. That narrative took over the NHL and a player who wasn't as good as Connor McDavid that year or any year won the Hart Trophy over McDavid. And, but I think that year McDavid won the Ted Lindsay Award from the players, so justice was done. So I, I think I have to be consistent here. If I'm going to say the players got it right then, I'm going to have to say, well, looks like Matthews was the best player in the regular season this year. And uh, I don't think that. Uh, but I didn't see Matthews play. I saw McDavid play every shift, every game, and I analyzed that. I didn't see Matthews play that much. So I, I really can't venture an opinion who was better myself. It's, it's fair and accurate. So, David, as you know, uh, I'm a proud Albertan and an Edmontonian and yep. have no desire to go anywhere else. Um, I actually get a little perturbed. And it, this has happened a couple times where there's some guys that have come in from other markets and they've felt the need to educate me on how <laughs> one guy one guy came from Quebec and one guy came from Ontario about how we're you know basically a bunch of buffoons out here and they never really respected what is inherently you know uh, uh, put it put it this way like I I'm gonna support certain industries that are tied to Alberta and uh, and I'm well aware of the fact that we've moved significantly to the left to the point that there's going to come a time where Rachel Notley is going to be seen as too centrist in this province for some of the people on the far left. I mean that. And, and, I, and I say that with the uh, awareness for everybody here right now to know, I think Rachel's a pretty smart person. Uh, but I, 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 there are times that I, I, I think that there's a little bit of that that, that occurs in politics. And oh, Let's rephrase that. There's a lot of that that appears in politics in this country. And there are some political things that happen in sport too. And I, I think that we've been incredibly lucky here at Edmonton. we got Wayne Gretzky which, you know, made Mark Messier better. 
So we had two great stars over a 25-year period. And I'm wondering if there's a little bit of an animosity and hostility out there. What do you think? You can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. We're going to get David to answer this. I've sensed that since Edmonton won the lottery and got McDavid, and then suddenly Drysaddle exceeded expectations as well, I do sense there's a little bit of bitterness elsewhere. And one of the markets that I see it in is, ironically enough, Toronto. What do you think? Uh, uh, yeah, that's an understatement, Bob, a little bit. It's just immense. Um, you see it all the time. In, it's, and it's not all of the, the Toronto sports writers. And I know I've attacked the Toronto media before. And then, you know, really good media members like Bob McKenzie or Elliot Friedman might get upset about that because they're very, they're generally speaking, very, very fair. fair. And they're yes. fair to Edmonton. So I'm, I don't want to tar them all with the same brush because that's not accurate. That's not fair. But come on, some of them. I mean, when McDavid came here, the pouting that came out of Toronto media members and Eastern Canadian uh, media members was astounding. And, um, you know, I remember the report, there was a show called The Reporters, and all those guys were just completely, uh, you know, reading McDavid's facial expressions and, and thinking they could read his mind, that he was appalled and upset to be coming to Edmonton uh, based on his facial, facial features. Well, I, I hope that those same media members who thought Connor McDavid was so upset about coming to Edmonton saw Connor McDavid's uh, essentially jumping out of his own skin with joy and excitement this year in the playoffs after scoring those big goals. Um, I, I think that should put that kind of nonsense to rest. There was Toronto media members, Bob, at that time who were saying, well, just for the good of the league and um, the finances of the league, it's a terrible thing that McDavid is in a minor media market and to grow the league and to grow the business. He should have, been, he should have actually been placed on a big market team like the Toronto Maple Leafs. That argument was made at that time. So, yeah, we, we do get this incredible bias. So I have lived in Toronto for a year. And I can assure you, people in Toronto, they, they, they hardly ever think about Edmonton. If, if at all, they, they just never think about Edmonton. They're thinking about New York City and London, England and, and uh, cities that are bigger than them. They think, you know, but to be fair to them, they think about Edmonton about as much as people at Edmonton think about high level. You know, we don't think a lot about high level. We don't think a lot about, let's say, uh, Stettler. That's about the relationship Toronto has to us. So, so they're just completely self-absorbed. But, I mean, everybody is to be, to be completely fair to them. I got drunk at the zoo in high level back in 1986, <laughs> multiple occasions, as I recall, during my days of uh, uh, previous reforestation past. We're joined by the cult of hockey's David Staples, Bob Stauffer with you on Oilers now. Yeah, it's interesting, right? I mean, they ended up getting their own, and he is a star, uh, right? Matthews is a star, obviously. Mitch Marner is a great player as well. It's it's a really, uh, a really in, in, important thing. And, uh, you know, it's it's... And this text comes in saying from Jimbo, he says, ever since Edmonton labeled itself as City of Champions after winning five great cups and five Stanley Cups, there's definitely a jealousy throughout Canada from Jimbo. Uh, I also think that there's an intrinsic passion for the team more. And it's funny, David, you said that Edmonton's not big market. And, hey, I work for the Oilers Entertainment Group, but I'm going to tell you right now, since the 0405 lockout, I would suggest that in better than 80% of the NHL seasons that have passed uh, uh, that time frame of the 0405 lockout, the Oilers have been one of the nine teams that have kicked in money into revenue generation in this league. They've been a revenue contributor to the lesser light organizations in the league. So uh, I always kind of get a bit of a laugh. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, I'll give you another one, because I know we have some Jets fans that listen to this show. When I explain to some of the American broadcasters and writers that the wealthiest owner in this league by a mile 
owns the Winnipeg Jets. They're like, what? Winnipeg? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, the guy's a baron. He's worth like $30 billion, David Thompson. Like he's and and that there's an organization that runs a tight tight ship so it is an interesting and we're getting tons of feedback on this and i'll stand by my comment the reality is there's some people that just don't like albertans and they just don't like edmontonians and i don't think it played that much of a factor ultimately i I do think a little bit of, of viewing habits and where you focus your attention, you know, maybe underplayed a bit what McDavid did, but the reality of the situation is uh, it's got to be stated Matthews had a hell of a year too, and the orders would easily take the, the trade off in the playoffs where Edmonton got into the third round. All right, on that note, switching focus, David, here we go. How is it being played out there in the Euler Twitterverse on Jay Woodcroft's three-year extension? Uh, well, a standing ovation. I mean, he, he, Jay Woodcroft won over all the various, pretty much all the various factions of fans. There might be a small number of fans who don't like Jay Woodcroft, but um, just the average fan thinks he did a great job. The analytics people uh, loved his line matching, loved loved the way he deployed players. Um, the team improved analytically. They, you know, they got more their grade A shots differentials in, improved um, when when Jay Woodcroft took over. Just you know, they they be, they had fallen apart defensively, Bob, uh, in Dave Tippett's last few weeks with the team, and I don't know why that happened, but that that did happen, and they were giving up all kinds of five alarm chances, just constantly two on one, three on two rushes, especially in their last few games. It was a they had to make a move, and Woodcroft came in here, and almost immediately they just started. There was a different commitment to defensive hockey, and uh, he talked about that in in, um, in his interview with you just now. How he had this, he thought the Oilers could score enough. They needed to play better defensively, and this is the magic ingredient for the Edmonton Oilers. I think it's the magic ingredient for the Colorado Avalanche that they have now discovered that they lost in previous playoffs because they didn't defend well enough. And this year in the playoffs under Woodcroft and in the leading up to it in the regular season. Season. There was a commitment to defensive play from the team's best players and all the other players that we hadn't seen um, consistently in the past. And in the playoffs, that ethic took over from game six on against L.A. and Calgary. And it's why they thumped the Calgary Flames. They just played excellent defensive hockey. Against the Avs, it was a different different kind of beast that they were playing, and they were all banged up by then, the Oilers were. And, and uh, there, there's this huge gap, you know, between the Oilers and the Avs right now. There's no doubt about it, even though those games were, as, you, as you've said, just 3-1 goal games, I believe. But I think the, the gap was, was, was huge. And it's going to be interesting to see this, this huge challenge now before Woodcroft, McDavid, and Drysaddle and all of these players um, to close that gap on Colorado. Yeah, well, and remember, Colorado had like eight or nine pending UFAs too, David. It's not like they're out of the, like they're in the final here. They can win the cup this year. They're a well-run organization. I can all but guarantee you there will be a change at the top of the helm. Uh, I can see Joe Saka being the president and Chris McFarland being named the GM. He is a grinder, and they believe in developing internally. but they're going to lose a bunch of guys in UFA. They won't be able to keep that team back. The Oilers are going to have, I personally believe, David, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, a little bit more wiggle room than people think. Uh, you wanted to briefly hit on Tyson Berry here. Well, I, I don't, you know, you're, you're quite circumspect, Bob, with what you've been, you've been saying that for a, a week or a half now. We're all kind of waiting for you to, to, uh, to deliver <laughs> more on what that information is. So I've been putting my mind, okay, what could that, what could that be? One of the things, obvious things is, and, and, and I hate to say this, because Tyson Berry, I think, 
he he was out. He played his best two-way hockey of his NHL career uh, with the Edmonton Oilers this year. He got better and better and better as the year went along. Part of that was he was against less difficult competition as the year went along because Jay Woodcroft played CC and Nurse so much against tough competition. But in the minutes that he did face, Tyson Berry transformed his defensive game from someone who made too many um, risks, bad pinches uh, last year, to someone who really, really uh, shut that down this year. He was involved in two of the biggest goals the Oilers scored all year in the playoffs. Um, the Game 6 winning goal that he fired in, and uh, Nugent Hopkins' goal, Yamamoto passing to Barry, and I think it was Game 4 against the Flames, and uh, Nugent Hopkins scoring. He, he was fantastic uh, in the playoffs. He ran the power play. He was one of the top... Uh, he, was, he was a good even-strength point scorer. He was a top power play point scorer in the NHL this year for D-men. But I, I just think... Uh, the Oilers have a great replacement in Evan Bouchard for him, and he's got way more value. He's got a ton more value to another team than he does to the Oilers. And, and that kind of market discrepancy means I think the Oilers can move him and get a good player in return. So as much as I like the player, I do think there's a really there could be a strong market for Tyson Berry. There should be a strong market, and the Oilers could solve a major problem by trading him maybe for a goalie. Well, I'll be intrigued to see uh, what kind of cap flexibility the Oilers get and how many different mechanisms they elect to deploy in order to have a little bit more cap space than uh, everyone thinks possible. How deep should they go in on Evander Kane? Well, against the Flames, um, Evander Kane, and in the first few rounds, I, I don't know if the Oilers win without Evander Kane. He just brought that swagger to the team that they hadn't had since Chris Bronger had been here. He's that kind of... Uh, Force. He's not as he's not as you know. Chris Pronger was an NHL superstar. Evander Kane's a, a really really good player. So it's a different level. But in terms of that intimidation and swagger and confidence that uh, teams can uh, can kind of manifest feeding off one player, it seemed to me they were feeding off McDavid and, and Evander Kane and Drysaddle. And but Kane was one of them. He was he was huge. And um, I'd love to see him back. I just, when you look at the numbers, unless they, unless they are super creative, it's hard to see how that could work. I mean, there's been different discussions about how much he's going to make. We've heard everything from about $7 million. Brian Lawton postulated somewhere $5 million a year for four years. I mean, if it's in that $5 million range, Bob, if it, if it drops to that, I think the Oilers have a real shot. And um, I'd love to see that. Now, it, you know, it's all, it, there's this huge, as you guys, as we've all been talking about, this wild card about the NHL's, his grievance against the uh, San Jose Sharks and how that's going to play out and when yeah. it's going to play out so it, it complicates things maybe though to the Oilers advantage because if other teams blow all their money on the first few days of free agency and uh, maybe that means Evander Kane's price drops maybe it gets a result before then David yeah as a settlement could could well be uh, could well be a even despite the fact that uh, there's no arbitrator all right David how do people follow you uh, on Twitter at D Staples or on Twitter at the cult of hockey now just uh, you heard the, the conversation I, I believe I did I not compliment Rachel Notley and said she's really smart. <laughs> she is really smart and she's and she is really centrist for an NDP candidate. Bob, you nailed that. I think definitely people yes. there's people on the left who think she's way too centrist, way too pro oil for the federal NDP. I mean they, they, they they're against the oil and gas industry. They're consistently against it. And she supports it of course. Yes. So, uh, uh, great stuff, David. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Bob. I gotta read this text. My old friend the Fizzler 
uh, who's in the services, uh, has texted me, Bob, you got the Eastern Media bias going today, the Alberta NDP and the NHL revenue sharing. This is an Oilers Now trifecta. Thank you very much. You can text us anytime at 780-4960. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 0063. Uh, Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. We'll take a quick time out. It's 124 at Edmonton. And I have to do this. Doug has texted the show and he says, Bob, it bugs the hell out of me when people who don't know always refer to Edmonton's name, the city of champions being connected to the Oilers. Yes, the Oilers were part of Edmonton, but the name was given to the first responders, the city employees, the hospital staff, the volunteers after Black Friday uh, when the tornado hit in Edmonton in 1987. I know because guys like me lived through it and worked through it. Mayor Decor placed that moniker on Edmonton uh, when he bought every city employee a beer when the whole mess was cleared up a week after on that terrible day. That one comes to us from Doug. Doug, uh, that was, what was it, July 31st, 1987? Uh, I will tell you, my next door neighbor, I kid you not, my next, and I know I've told this story before, was Leroy Cholley. And Leroy Cholley was the police chief of the city of Edmonton at that time. Uh, Leroy later went on to be a city, I, I, they used to call him alderman, council, whatever. Um, and I was uh, back in town for a one-week stint before heading back up north and then going off to school that year, and I had an extensive conversation uh, with Leroy about some things and about that career trajectory. And you mentioned Lawrence Decor, and if you want to go old school, uh, the Julian Kaniski connection to Lawrence Decor and how he ultimately became uh, the mayor in Edmonton and the power that the uh, police uh, union had at that time played a significant factor in Decor uh, ultimately and he was he was by all reports a pretty good mayor and uh, was a very fair man but certainly well aware of where it stems from and again you can text us at 780-496-0063 Boomer says, Bob, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Vander Keen to the Oilers for six uh, to the Oilers for six million, and he picks the term. It's too good of a fit for him. That one comes to us from uh, Boomer, and the Chisler says, Bob, uh, drunk at the zoo in 1986? Question mark. Has uh, rumor has it you were also drunk on ten dollars Coors Lights at the U.S. Pompeii in Palm Desert, circa 1987. Southern U.S. bias with that text, Bob. I disagree. <laughs> Twenty-five dollar cover charge in 1987 to get into Pompeii's. Crazy. They had it going on. Uh, the book by Brett Easton Ellis, less than zero. 
largely infused with uh, USC and UCLA kids going and having a good time in the Palm Springs and Palm Desert back in the day. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson and a guy who uh, has been around since the days of Pompeii. No, we're just kidding. For Legacy Heating and Cooling, John Shannon up next on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.